0: Write to be read podcast, episode number 88, interview with Maron Barekat.
1: Did you know there's a new place to sell your audiobooks besides ACX and Audible? There is, Buck Books. Authors, I know most of your audiobooks are sold exclusively through ACX, but on any new books you have, a one-day sales pit stop at Buck Books is a no-brainer. When your narrator finishes your audiobook, send us the files and we will feature it to tens of thousands of our active subscribers and growing for one day only. You get some great sales and the very next day you can upload it exclusively to ACX. This is a great way to help offset the cost of production on a new audiobook and start building a strong relationship with the world's hottest free book promotion service, Buck Books. Not sure how to go about getting your book made into an audiobook or having trouble deciding if audiobook production is right for you? With an audiobook team of 10 and the lowest production cost around buck books is ready to help you finally add this lucrative format to your author portfolio and sell it too for more information send an email to john at buckbooks.net that's john j-o-h-n at buckbooks.net you are listening to the right to be read podcast and this is your host ani alexander
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to Be Read podcast. Today is a very special episode for me because today I'm interviewing the person without meeting whom most probably this podcast would not exist. So today I will be talking to Maron Barakat, who is the founder and the host of the Inspiring Innovation Podcast, as well as the founder of the Podcasting Incubator, which is the world's best step-by-step podcast training and community, which will take your podcast from zero to launching a successful one. And I kind of endorse it completely because that was the only resource I used to launch this podcast in just three weeks. Welcome, Maron. I'm really happy to have you over because it's kind of very symbolic thing to do.
2: Hey, Annie, it's a cool closure to be on your show. I'm so excited. I still remember you when you were getting started and sending me messages on Facebook and I was like, just do the videos, just do the videos and you'll be fine. And you are the proof that it works. I mean, you did the videos, you launched a podcast, it became your and noteworthy. And I'm just so honored to be on it.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for coming. And I think that, I mean, I have to mention this, you have a really um, like exceptional patience <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm very impatient person and I, I tend to rush and I, I always have many questions and I always want immediate results. So if you kind of uh, managed to, you know, to cope with a student like me, I guess you can cope with almost
2: everyone. <laughs> Yeah, I think when you go through your life and spend some of your life in corporate world, you become very patient.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, maybe we can start from uh, from that point. How did you end up actually in the podcasting world, which is a very hot topic these days and everyone would like to get in there? And uh, you seem to be there much earlier than all the rest of us. So just tell us the story about how sick and tired you were from corporate and how did you end up being where <laughs> you are?
2: Okay, so I always dreamed of being in radio and that's a dream I managed to fulfill when I was 16 years old, give or take. Maybe it was 15 and a half. I became a broadcaster on a local radio station and there's a reason I'm sharing that. And I've been on and off radio ever since then. In my 20s, as you uh, alluded to, I went to work for corporate. I did that for two years of working over 300 hours a month doing consulting work for some of the biggest corporations in the world, including at some point, we both of us were working actually for the same company in different countries, uh, which is pretty funny. We won't say who they are because we're now (laughs) trashing corporate, So just, you know, never mind. But anyway, I was putting in all these hours and I vividly remember myself driving home one day and it was less than 15 kilometers drive, but it would typically take me an hour and a half in rush hour. And I just couldn't find an answer to the question, why am I doing this? Oh, and it sounds I don't know. so familiar. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I know you can relate to that. And I don't know if people listening can. I'm sure they can because I know we have amazing authors that are, many of them, are, I, I believe, listening because they want to develop that career, that calling. And I, I'm amazed by that because I could never write as well as you could, Annie. So anyway... <laughs> I had this calling and I could not understand why am I doing, why am I spending all this time building somebody else's life, basically, like building the life of my boss, of the bosses of those corporations. And I quit. I quit without really knowing what am I going to do next? I just knew that I didn't have the mental capacity to handle both the corporate job and trying to find my own freedom. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily something I recommend. I do think that if you can build something as a side hustle and do a more gradual transition, that's probably easier. But I just couldn't find the mental space to do that. So I left and I, I always been obsessed with entrepreneurship. I just didn't quite know what to offer. I had a few businesses that didn't work out before I went to corporate and with a bit of fear of failure and a bit of doubts, uh, I was stumbling around until I found that Apple are launching a new platform called the Apple Newsstand, which is where anybody could create a digital magazine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I decided, okay, cool. I'm going to launch the world's first digital iPad magazine about how to create financial freedom through entrepreneurship. By the time I launched it, it wasn't the world's first digital. definitely wasn't the world's first published one. Uh But still, I launched the Inspiring Innovation magazine, and that's where it all started. And during those years publishing houses were really struggling with getting subscribers to their print magazines. Everybody was struggling, including my small magazine. I mean, I didn't have the huge budget that they had. And if they were struggling, you could imagine that I was struggling. And I attended the New Media Expo where I met some of my now best friends, people like uh, Ralph Quintero, John Lee Dumas and other people. And they were all saying, you have all this content in magazine format. Why don't you repurpose it into a podcast format? You have all this radio experience. It'll be easy for you to do. Mm -hmm. Why don't you repurpose it and see what happens? And podcasting was just starting to get hot. But only the people doing it kind of that were with uh, two fingers on the pulse actually felt that it's exploding. Everybody else in the world was still wasn't aware of how big it was becoming. So I finally did. I repurposed my magazine as a podcast, and in three weeks, we had more downloads for the podcast than we had in an entire year for the magazine.
0: Amazing,
2: yeah. Yeah, and that was when I said, okay, like, A, this combines my lifelong passion of radio. B, this actually works. Like, this marketing marketing platform works. It's not overcrowded. It's actually a lot more engaging than text and blogs and stuff like that. And I never looked back.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, I would say that it's also, at least for me, it's more exciting and more fun to to be podcasting rather than blogging or, you know, uh, doing uh, guest posting and things like that. Because somehow I have a feeling that I'm getting more from the audience in terms of engagement than, from any other form that i tried so far.
2: Well, I think, I don't remember who said it, but he said that listening and giving our attention is one of the biggest gifts we can give another person. And this is the gift that our audience that are listening now are giving us, their attention. If you're driving, I hope it's not your full attention. I hope you're paying attention to the road as well. But, (laughs) But generally speaking, you're getting amazing attention at a medium voice, audio, which has proven to be the most engaging one, because we have nuances of voice, we have the dynamic of our own voice, we have a personal relationship between us and the listener that just doesn't happen when someone is reading our blog.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. And the thing is, um, these days, authors are kind of, since it's very crowded, even only on amazon there are like millions of books and many many thousands coming out every single day authors are really struggling with getting new audiences and uh, getting new readers and tapping into the potential readership so uh what do you think uh is this something that any author can kind of experiment with and try out to to come up with a podcast which will uh, later on connect with the readers, maybe?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think podcasting is the most exciting marketing platform right now on the internet. And I'll tell you why. As you said, Amazon, over 6.5 million Kindle books. Now, how are most books found? They're found on the bestsellers list of each category or for keywords. Mm -hmm. And all of those rankings are based on getting the early purchases and reviews. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know you know about Amazon a lot more than me, but that's basically how it works. So you need to get that initial um, proof for Amazon to be worthy of ranking well ranking on google is even harder i mean you're competing with 400 million blogs that's just crazy on the other hand you have podcasts and in podcast a you're competing against 250,000 podcasts all in all some say 275,000 still that's that basically means that you have 1400 times more competition in blogs compared to podcasts. So, for every one podcaster out there, there are 1400 bloggers out there. That just gives an idea of the competition. And then you have Apple, which has over 500 million active listeners who actually features the new podcast at the top of the page so you can get prime exposure and start building your audience. And then what happens? You can build your audience using a podcast. You can get them incredibly engaged. And if you want, we can talk about types of podcast shows your listeners could launch. Because I think especially fiction writers would be surprised with some of these ideas. But you could launch a podcast, build your audience, build your list, and then drive them to buy your book. And then you get rankings in Amazon, and then the Amazon machine starts working for you. Because the only way to to make the Amazon machine work is feed it with the buyers that you are sending from outside of Amazon in before Amazon starts sending buyers to you.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And I think that I'm just thinking back now about the doubts and, uh, you know, fears I had before deciding to launch launch my podcast. And one of the biggest things I thought that would be problematic for me and um, I might not be able to do was um, the thought that, it's very complicated technique-wise, and it's very technical, it's very difficult to produce, it's very difficult to record, create, etc. So, uh, uh, plus, many think somehow that they need to make a huge investment in very expensive equipment before starting a podcast. So, can we address those issues, please?
2: Yeah, let's break it down. So, let's talk about uh, investment first. Investment is typically going to be, You'll. I recommend you get a decent microphone and you can get an entry level microphone at around 57 or $59 if you're in the US. It might cost a bit more. I know you had to buy it from eBay in Armenia because Amazon shipment was nuts. Yeah. Um, but if you're listening from the United States or from Europe, you can typically get around $60 a great microphone and we'll recommend one at the end of the show. We'll give a great resource for everybody. Um then you need podcast hosting, which is where you will put your files. That starts at $5 a month. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's about $60 a year. And um, you'll want to get some artwork, which you can get on sites like Fiverr for $5, $10, or you can pay $400 for a designer. It's up to you how much you want to spend there. Uh, I would recommend getting an intro and an outro for your show. again, you can get a voiceover artist from Fiverr to do that for five dollars or you can spend as much as you want. But I would say like entry level getting started less than a hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, exactly that that's that's how much I've spent because I've got the microphone for around seventy five dollars. I've got the intro for five dollars and and the the hosting plan. so it's
2: and you can vouch that the microphone makes a huge difference.
0: Uh, Yeah, it does. Exactly. It does a huge difference. And I'm happy with mine because, uh, for example, now in in our yard, there is a construction going on and they're drilling stuff there. But, you know, uh, we can't hear it because it's a nice microphone.
2: blocks that background noise. So yeah, yeah, we'll give a resource resource with a microphone and everything like the microphone, where you can get designs, where you can get intro and outro, where you can get music. I'll give away everything at the end of the show for those that are interested. But that's how easy it is from a budget point of view to get started. Mm -hmm. Now, from the technical point of view, I'm happy you asked because we actually didn't talk about it. Why did I create the Podcast Incubator? Why did I start teaching podcasting? Because I've been doing coaching for many people and I could see how podcasting could benefit all of them. So I sent them to the existing free and paid resources out there and they kept coming coming back to me with questions. They kept getting confused with the information that was out there. Mm-hmm. It was either not technical enough for them to actually Uh, get the step-by-step, or it was too technical and they just got overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And that's why I went ahead and created my training. From that point of view, not of I've been in radio and I know and let me talk to you about stuff that you don't care about, but actually from the point of view of I have hand-in-hand, in the trenches, walked people through this process time and time again, and then I created a program that everybody could follow. And I think that if you follow um, the resource I'll give you at the end of this show, that's a great way to get started. And I'm going to give you a free resource to get started without getting overwhelmed around the technical part at all. It doesn't need to be technical. It doesn't need to be hard. And we'll show you exactly how to do that. And Annie, I know you hate all stuff technical. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I kind of, um, you know, uh, I, I, I learned all this quite quickly and I was surprised. And I, I think that's because the... Um, Uh, the materials were very clear, and you just follow the steps, and that's all you do. And it it kind of works. So with the time, of course, you do it faster, and and you know things better, etc. But for the beginning stage, it, it was quite easy. And I'm I'm not really a tacky person. And I don't really like kind of, you know, digging into different things and learning everything from scratch and kind of spending too much time on the technical part uh, of the things. I, I kind of uh, prefer the content creation part more than, you know, the other stuff. But um, no, I mean, even I managed that, so it was pretty easy. <laughs>
2: and I think you made a really important point. The fact that it's easy doesn't mean it won't take time. Just like anything, when you get started, it's going to take you more time than it will later. There is an investment. It's not like you can start spending 10 minutes a day and that's it. You have a new noteworthy podcast, which is kind of like having a bestseller book. Mm-hmm. It, it will take time. You will need to put effort in, but it's not going to be technically overwhelming or technically hard. It's just going to be doing the work.
0: Yeah, and and I think um, someone told me during one of our interviews that it's basically you either invest time or you invest money. I mean, if you have extra budget to kind of outsource all that part, you know, okay. Yeah, that's
2: actually true. I mean, even, even, um, even I offer, we offer, I have a team that offers podcast publishing services, which basically means you just record yourself talking. And we take that... Uh, add the intro and outro and bumpers and turn that into a, a podcast episode and we get someone to write the show notes for you and et cetera. So you don't invest as much time. You don't invest as much effort. You don't even need to learn anything but you do need to pay for someone else to do it. So mm-hmm. those are the two options.
0: Yeah, those are the Absolutely. two options. <laughs> okay, so we we found out that it's not expensive. We found out that technically speaking, it's not difficult. So, I guess the important part is the content and what you actually what kind of podcast you're making. And um, the authors kind of, you know, uh, they are very good in in writing their books, uh, both fiction and nonfiction in terms of, you know, what they are used to writing. But this is a slightly different form of content. And let's talk about what they could come up with in terms of uh, what type of podcast they can create in order to start gaining new audience.
2: Absolutely. So I typically teach that there are, <clears throat> sorry, whoops, just hit the microphone, <laughs> uh, that there are a few different types of podcasting and uh, of podcast types that you could follow. The first one that I usually mention is the professional show. And that applies for nonfiction authors, because fiction authors, you'll have to wait a few more seconds. A professional show is basically a show around... The stuff you do either on a day-to-day basis, like that is your job and you want to get more exposure, more authority, more paying customers, more um, become like a sought-after thought leader, more speaking engagement, stuff like that in your particular niche, that's what a professional show would be about. Examples, I could do a podcast about podcasting or you, Annie, could do a podcast about self-publishing books if you want to get more customers that l- want to learn from you how to self-publish books mm-hmm. or amy porterfield has a great podcast about online marketing especially facebook marketing which is her forte so i don't know if i need to give more examples our uh, financial advisor could do a podcast about that etc it basically mm-hmm. builds your niche uh, build yourself in your niche Okay. Now it Where? can be either your day job or the side hustle you're trying to build, but it's a specific niche you're targeting. And when you do that, you can either do a solo show, and that is really powerful to build your authority. But if you don't know enough about this, like if you're just starting with online marketing, you could do an interview-based show. So you would interview the best names out there and in the same opportunity network with them. You give a value to the listeners, even though you don't necessarily know everything that the audience wants to know yet. Mm-hmm. The only caveat is that when you do an interview-based show, you build less authority compared to being a solo because instead of you being the one delivering the information, you are just the one delivering the guest, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. But it's a great way to start and it makes creating the content a lot easier because you don't need to sit down and talk into a microphone. You just need to sit down in front of your computer and have a phone call with someone. And we can all have phone calls, everybody listening listening right now, knows how to talk on the phone.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
2: Another type of podcast show you could have is the Lifestyle Podcast. And that is kind of like a broader niche. It's like doing a a podcast about passive income, like Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. It's all the different ways and all the different things that go into building your own business, no matter which niche it's in. Or... um, Tropical MBA is another one that comes to mind. There are a few great lifestyle shows out there. Generally speaking, you build a tribe that wants to have the same lifestyle that you are either already have or are trying to achieve, but they don't necessarily in, they're not necessarily interested in a specific uh, niche, a specific product. They're more interested in achieving the end result, mm-hmm. which typically means it'll be harder to sell to them, but maybe easier to find them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clear.
2: And if again, if you have the lifestyle, you can do a solo show. Use that to sell your mentoring, your coaching, your courses, whatever it is. If you don't have the lifestyle, use this podcast as a way to network and interview other people that already have it and take your audience on the same journey with you. Mm -hmm. And there are many podcasts that started interview based in this kind of thing of, of a lifestyle podcast and slowly turned into a solo show when the host has achieved some milestone that his audience was looking up to, like when Pat crossed Pat Flynn, crossed the six figures per month i don 't know if he did actually. I think he just did like a few months ago. Um, that was a major milestone for him, and he is now doing much more solo shows than he used to do previously. Etc. So I hope that makes sense. Any mm-hmm. questions so far?
0: No, I think it's, it's pretty clear. I'm okay. just waiting for the fiction writer's part.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So again, for nonfiction, we have the professional show. We have the lifestyle show. Another show you could have is the community show. Now, a community show is really interesting because this could, could apply to fiction and to nonfiction authors. But here's a few examples. You can have a community show for authors. You could have a community show for fans of a specific TV show, and I'm going to explain that in detail in a second. You can have a community show for Christian people, maybe in a specific location around the world or all around the world. You can have for students, for grandmas, for whatever it is. The, ba- the basic here is that the audience already exists and you talk about the same things they would talk about when they naturally get together in forums or online or when they meet in person. So if you do a community show, which is, a, let's say, a fan-based show for the fans of The Walking Dead, you would be discussing the latest episodes of The Walking Dead. If you do a Fifty Shades of Grey show, you might be reading, like, everybody reads, all the audience reads episode number two, and then you discuss episode number two. Mm -hmm. Not sure Apple would allow that with Fifty Shades of Grey. But yeah, you could. If you mark it as explicit, you can definitely do that as well. Now, what's the power here? If you are a fiction writer who writes about zombies, you can definitely do a podcast show about The Walking Dead easily tap into a very engaged audience that all share this passion of the concept of zombies and scary walking dead stuff mm-hmm. and then pull them in to your books. So it's a great way to tap an existing audience that already has a conversation and provide a new home for, for them. If you are doing um, historical uh, romances, you could do a podcast show that's about history. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is that you write fiction about, try to think where does your kind of who has similar interest and where do those people gather around? What other, um, what other things get them all together and get them excited and get a bunch of people that a high percentage of them would also be interested in your book? And this is so exciting for authors because it's so easy to launch a successful podcast these days compared to a best selling book or a well read blog. So, I don't know if you want to dive into more details here. I would say that even one of my students, Bill Nowicki, he launched a community show for submarine veterans, for people who served in the Cold War in submarines. Like, it mm-hmm. doesn't get more niche than that. And he had over 50,000 unique downloads in less than a year. I mean imagine what 50,000 um book sales would do for 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 your book on Amazon. That's that's a big audience to start with with something that is so niche.
0: Yeah, amazing. It's it's just, you know, uh um it's so much more difficult to go ahead just with the book and get this 50,000 people. Yep. So it's, you know, uh, this route is, it seems that it's, it's like, you know, a faster one and a relatively easier one because if you end up just with your book on Amazon and try to sell 50,000 copies, uh, even if you spend money on advertising and things like that, it's, you know, it's, it's doubtful hard. that it will help and <laughs> it will happen.
2: And this way you build the audience first. You have someone to promote, like you can get beta readers that will get excited. You can actually read out some of the book on the podcast or start emailing with your people and get them excited. You can uh, get your like superbly engaged people that will leave you those five-star reviews when you launch and would pay the 99 cents to make it a verified review. And even 20, 30 reviews for a new book is like that puts you in the top 20, maybe 15% of publishers right away, I believe.
0: Yeah, it's quite a lot. Yeah, 20 to 30 reviews is impressive.
2: It's very <laughs> powerful. And yep. as you know, Annie, because you managed to get people to review your podcast, you create a connection and people are actually willing to do this kind of stuff. So it's very, very powerful way for authors. And the last type of podcast show is hobby show, which is basically if you're interested in do-it-yourself projects and you want to teach others how to do it, this you can really do as a solo show, whether you know about it enough or not, because it's a hobby show and people see you improve along the way. And I have a friend who has DIY Pete, and according to his website, I mean, I'm not quoting anything secret, it's on his website, through his YouTube channel, website, and podcast, this year, he's estimating that people would buy over $100,000 worth of merchandise from Amazon. And he's, of course, an affiliate who's going to get a nice chunk of that money. And if he launches his own product um, line at some stage, I'm sure it will do very well. So even hobby shows, again, if you're helping people pursue their passion, there would be an interest. And I always tell my students, and I'm sure, Annie, you're tired of hearing that, your podcast should either... Help alleviate a pain, solve a problem, help achieve a result, or help pursue a passion. If it does any of these, your show could do well. If it doesn't do any of these, it's not going to do well no matter how great it sounds. Because it needs to do something for the audience, not for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because listeners are looking for something. And, you know, if if you're not a big name, they definitely are not looking for you. So they are looking for something else, which you have to f- fulfill somehow. Yeah. So uh, I-, I was just wondering, um, w- we had so many different um, promotional strategies for our books and different, you know, things that authors could do and were trying to do and some worked, some didn't. But uh, the main thing is um, one now listening to this would think, okay, you know, I I will create this podcast, I will create the content, I will learn how to produce it, uh, I will put it out there. And how am I actually getting listeners if I'm starting from scratch and if I myself don't have the audience in place yet?
2: Okay, so this is a great question. And it's the coolest part about podcasting. It's the part that excites me the most. Uh, there's there's two parts to this, to the answer, okay? The second part would be the things you should be doing just as you would be doing for anything else. But the first part works only for podcasting, and that is you are going to ride the tidal wave that Apple is going to get you, okay? So Apple are actually... Working hard at getting podcasters their initial listeners, their initial traffic. The reason is, it's not that Apple are so kind and lovely, even though both Annie and I love Apple.
0: Absolutely. It's
2: because iTunes, uh, sorry, podcasts are the number one lead source for people buying stuff on iTunes. Okay, so Apple has a very big interest. In making as many people as possible listen to as many podcasts as possible, which is great for us because it's good to have someone like apple <laughs> um, you know uh, behind our back, helping absolutely. us absolutely yeah <laughs> so when you launch a new podcast and this varies from country to country, but you typically for the first eight weeks very easily or Yeah, I'm standing behind that. Very easily, get into Apple's new and noteworthy ranking for your podcast category, which is kind of like the best-selling list uh, in terms of how visible it is. It's the first uh, two lines of podcasts. When you go into iTunes and you click on business or history, the first two lines of podcasts that are there are new and noteworthy, okay? So it's like prime location. It's true even outside of a category. If you go to iTunes podcasts, the first few podcasts on that main iTunes page are new and noteworthy. So when you launch a new podcast, if you can get as quickly as possible people to subscribe, download, download, and leave your reviews, and I would say this in ascending order of importance, download your podcast, subscribe to your podcast using the podcast app on iPhone, and leave your review, you can get into that prime listing very easily. If you could chime in in a time frame of about 48 hours, give or take, usually between, I would say, 10 to 20 reviews. And remember, people don't need to buy your podcast. They just need to have... An Apple device, iPhone, iPod, um, you know, even a Windows computer can have iTunes installed. Anybody who can leave you that review and get you those early downloads, 10 to 20 usually do the trick and get you into the um, visible Mm -hmm. area. And then the snowball starts. Then if you have a podcast show, and we haven't talked about the optimization at all yet, but if you have a podcast show with a good title, with a good cover. I mean, this should make sense to Amazon authors more than anybody else. If you have a podcast show with good title, good cover, good description, interesting episode titles, people will click and listen. And the more people click and listen, the higher it ranks, the higher it ranks, the more people click and listen, and this creates a snowball that you can typically ride for up to 8 weeks. Mm-hmm. So you get like eight weeks of being, and Annie, you know that you actually been on yeah. the iTunes homepage, yeah. in the United States,
0: absolutely, and that's what I wanted to say that in the United States and in the UK both. So in is, Armenia as well. In Armenia as well, yeah, and I, and I would like to mention that when I was starting, I haven't been blogging around those topics before, I haven't been covering this topic before, so actually I started from scratch with the podcast first and then you know all, all the other things like the uh, website and the blog and the mailing list and and things like that later on but what I started with was the podcast so I started from, with from scratch with absolutely no audience in place and I was able to get to that um, visible space actually yeah. so I think was, you made it
2: like number two or number four an app on the iTunes homepage yeah in one of the days I know you made it to number one in your category and in fact all of my students made it to the top three of their category in New and Noteworthy. Most of them made it to number one. I have a student who almost outranked Tim Ferriss. I have two students who outranked Seth Godin and the Harvard Business Review and Smart Passive Income and Entrepreneur on Fire and uh, Social Media Examiner. And basically, they were both ranking at different time periods as number one in business. Not New and Noteworthy, overall, number one in business. So they outranked every other podcast and they both started without a mailing list, without an audience, without anything.
0: Yeah. And the amazing thing is that many people kind of find you through the podcast and later on realize that you, you're also an author or you're also doing different other things and providing different other services. So it's like kind of, you know, oh, absolutely. that has become the entry kind of, you know, entry door for me, for people to kind of uh, find out something about me.
2: And Annie, you are now doing speaking engagement. I know you had one last week. Uh, yeah. You have your own paid course. I have someone else in the podcast incubator who became a TEDx speaker based on his podcast alone. I have uh, someone else in the community who was approached by Burger King to become their head of PR because of his podcast. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of people who got speaking engagement. I know of, um, you actually interviewed him. Strini Rao, based on his podcast, got a few different um, oh, yeah. bulk deals, traditional publishing. Same for Chris Ducker. I mean, podcasting, and actually Chris Docker said that podcasting has catapulted his business to a level he never thought possible. Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, that's like the most, one of the most visited and most trafficked blogs about passive income. Yeah. He says that when people meet him at events or meetups, they don't say, I love your blog. I love your YouTube channel. I love your book. Most of them say, I love your podcast.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: So, so even for an internet celebrity, his podcast is still his number one marketing vehicle. That's just how powerful it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the the thing is, let, let's kind of try to project for the future. It's absolutely hot topic right now. It's, as you mentioned, it has... Much much less competition than among the bloggers, Uh, but uh, what do you think now? Many many people start rushing in and kind of creating new podcasts, and you know, podcasters are becoming more, and you know, it's kind of it's growing very fast. What do you predict? Is it like you know, at some point it will become as crowded as blogs? Or, you know, how, how one should kind of try to differentiate from um, this, this very starting stage, let's say? Okay.
2: So first, we should say that podcasting in the last year alone has grown by 25%. And that doesn't mean much until we look at other trends. So let's look at computers. According to Forbes magazine, the computer's have only grown by 12%, if I'm remembering correctly, 12 or 13% mm-hmm. last year. So it's growing twice as faster uh, than computer systems. So podcasting is growing very, very fast. That is a fact that nobody can argue with. Now comes the question of the competition. That's a great question. I don't believe it will ever become as crowded as blogging because you need to do the work. And it's so easy to create a crappy blog. It's so easy to outsource your content creation for a blog. It's so easy to pay someone to spin articles and all the terrible stuff people do online.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's, we are not there yet in terms of you know, text-to-speech software that will replace us. It actually requires a real human being putting some time to create a podcast. It takes more time to create something of value. Now, because podcasting, almost in all libraries rank over time according to not only how many people download them, but actually how many people listen to the episode and how long do they listen to. So do they listen to 10% of the episode and then they delete it? That's actually a bad sign and it will hurt your rankings. But if most of your audience completes all of your episodes, you'll rank better. So there's a much better natural balance based on real human behavior Ah, uh, when you compare it to blogs with all the link building and, and SEO mm-hmm. and all of that, I think it's a more natural thing. I'm sure that in the years to come, people will find ways to game it. I still believe that while blogging will uh, podcasting will grow, I don't think it will reach the th- anything close to blogging. It might podcasting might grow to be something like Kindle. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean when you compare. 400 million blogs to 7 million books. There's much less books than there are blogs out there. It could grow. And this is why people should get started right now. Because if you can start building an engaged audience, they will stay with you. And I think the secret is, and this is something that is true whether you're creating a blog, a book, whatever it is, we kind of touched it already solve a real problem. Help someone achieve a result they cannot achieve without you. Help them pursue their passion do something that's on their mind instead of on your mind and you would succeed typically in any platform. That's like the foundation because I don't care if you have the best sounding podcast. If I'm listening to you and I'm not getting anything, there's really no reason for me to carry on listening. And it doesn't matter how much money is spent on a microphone.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, although the other way around is also if you have a really nice content, but it's, you know, the, the noise, uh, it's very noisy and it irritates, it's difficult to listen. Yeah, you
2: people, need to have a, yeah. a decent quality. Otherwise, nobody would listen to it. Just like you cannot publish Kindle books with spelling mistakes and grammar mistakes all over the place and expect people to read it. It's, I think it's kind of like the same thing.
0: Yeah, exactly and I, I see lots of parallels actually uh, in, with the uh, publishing on Amazon and producing a podcast because as you mentioned the attractive title and the artwork and the description and all that, applies to the books as well we also kind of you know do our best to have the attractive titles and the best covers and descriptions because that's basically how people see that also yep. a very small a visual and a title and and a small text behind be, beneath saying what the book is about so yeah, the there's logic a reason, is the
2: same there's a reason that Many years. I don't know when it started, but for many years we have the saying of "Don't judge a book by its cover," and it's true for blogs, for books, for podcasting, for anything. Because we do judge everything by its cover. That's how we decide: Am I going to give it give it my attention? Yeah. So while they need to be good, the content inside also needs to be good. And um, I don't think we have time to discuss other marketing strategies but i can highlight a few very quickly i yeah, mean if you know where true. your audience is especially if you're targeting like fans of a tv show or people like christians or people in your local community go to where they are and and start participating and offering value there if they are in specific blogs leave blog comments and make sure you have your podcast information in your signature or your profile if you are you know if you're active on twitter you can create a Twitter account for your podcast show. Like uh, Cliff Ravenscroft did that with his Harry Potter podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. So he created like the Harry Potter podcast Twitter account. And he just started following everybody who's talking about Harry Potter. Now, what happens when someone follows you on Twitter? You get an email saying, is not the Harry Potter podcast follow you on Twitter? Now, if I'm interested in Harry Potter, I'm going to open that invitation and say, hey, that looks cool. And his bio tells me about a podcast. I'm going to click that link. Boom, I have another listener. Mm -hmm. And you can do that whether you are doing a professional podcast, a hobby podcast, whatever it is. Use Twitter. You can use Facebook groups. You can actually go to uh, Facebook groups or Quora or anything like that. Find questions people are asking in your niche and answer them in a podcast and then link back to that in your response wherever you found the question, link back to your show. There's all sorts of ways to do this. And I know we don't have the time, but I would say that anything that applies to blogging and to selling ebooks and to promoting yourself online in general can work for podcasts. But the cool thing is that when you're getting started, you don't even need to do all that because Apple really does a lot of the heavy lifting for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I mentioned the parallel, but in this case, we have a completely different picture because as opposed to Amazon, which kind of really helps you out and pulls you up only after you have gained the momentum already, uh, it feels like uh, Apple is doing it on much earlier stage.
2: Yeah, I would say that Apple also, they want to see momentum. They want to see downloads. They want to see reviews. They want to see the same thing that Amazon want. But because they separate between the top downloaded podcast and the newer noteworthy podcast, you just need a lot less of that Mm -hmm. proof, Mm -hmm. a lot less of that juice in order to get Apple to say, okay, we're giving you prime ranking. Now let's see what you do. And then, you know, if your podcast doesn't have a good artwork, even if you get the number one ranking, you're noteworthy with bad artwork, you won't get any downloads. And that happened to one of my students. Then I got him to change his artwork or his cover, and he had 431% more downloads in less than 24 hours. Wow.
0: Yeah. So
2: the rankings they help, but having everything work in synergy, that's like the big secret. The and best. that's what takes, you know, that's what takes a podcast from zero to getting over 100,000 unique downloads for a bi-weekly show in just three to four months. And if you do a daily podcast show, you can get that even faster.
0: Okay, I see. So if we would like to wrap it up, can we kind of um, illustrate the main steps one has to take when he wants to launch a new podcast? And from from the author's perspective, let's say, and later on, I mean, I'm sure that we didn't cover many, many topics Uh, later on, just, you know, tell them where they can go to get more information.
2: Okay, so I would say since it's a free resource, I feel okay to say that that is the first step. Head over to podcastincubator.com forward slash write to be read and you will be redirected to a page where you can download the podcast starter kit. The podcast starter kit will walk you through every step I'm about to mention. It will walk you through figuring out What is your show about? It will walk you through figuring out your customer avatar through getting the gear and the software. We didn't mention, but if you're doing interviews, you need software to record those calls. That's another $25 to $30. Sorry, we forgot that earlier. Uh, It will walk you through how to edit using free software that you don't need to pay for. It will walk you through setting up your hosting and finally launching your podcast. So there's seven steps there. If you go to podcastincubator.com forward slash write to be read, which is the name of the podcast you're listening to, of course, (laughs) uh, you will get free access, lifetime free access to that resource. And that will give you all the steps, including all the resources and all the links and a few fill-in-the-blank templates and whatnot to really make sure that you can launch your podcast. I think that is the best way to get started. Now, if you want to do this with even more help from me and especially more help from other people that are going through the same process, you can just head over to podcastincubator.com forward slash Annie, A-N-I. That will take you to the Podcast Incubator course or Podcast Incubator membership platform where you will not only get much more in-detail video that are all like five to eight minutes long, super easy to consume. Every video has fill-in-the-blank templates and checklists and summaries and all the relevant links. But you will also get access to me 24-7 in the most engaged podcasting group on Facebook I have ever seen. Of course, I'm biased, but still. You will get live <laughs> yeah, Q&A. I agree
0: completely with you. <laughs>
2: Thank you. You have live Q&A shows with me where you can ask anything and get answers in video. And Annie can attest for how many hours I spend answering her questions in live Q&A calls. You get exclusive webinars. You get the support of like-minded people, which also means that you have a, a big group of people that can help you get those early downloads and early reviews right away when you launch. This is one of the reasons why my students are so successful, because they support each other. You get exclusive additional webinars like Pinterest for podcasters and Twitter for podcasters and how to, we have a special module on how to get sponsors for your podcast and all sorts of very, very interesting and helpful stuff if you want to build your podcast into a full scale business. So that's podcastincubator.com forward slash Annie. You'll get more support, more information, and I'll even throw in uh, two bonuses if that's okay. I'll throw in one free one-on-one coaching call with me. So you can pick my brain, just us two on Skype. That's one thing I'll throw in for those who are interested in the podcast incubator. And I will also throw in a premium module with Tim Page that breaks down ninja moves to make your intro and outro, help them build your list much quicker than ever. So you turn your podcast into a list building machine. And for you authors out there, that is crucial because then your list become the people you email up to when your new book is out and those are the people that will get you the first purchases on Amazon.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. True. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I would like to add myself that, you know, I absolutely kind of, you know, uh, I I find it mind-blowing and I kind of that was exactly what I was looking for because I did a research before finding you up and uh, I find that This is the best resource, both in terms of knowledge and in terms of the trainings which you're getting and which are, as we already spoke about, very um, understandable and simple to kind of follow through. And the most important thing on top of it all, you're getting the awesome, engaged and supportive community, because sometimes, you know, you can do everything and it's can work. But at some point, you you may feel a bit discouraged. And then, you know, if you're in this community, uh, just with just few messages, everything gets solved, and you feel much, much better.
2: Yeah, and you get feedback. I mean, when you create your artwork, you can actually do A-B testing, you can put it in the group and people would tell you, which one they would click on. Same for your title. We have so many discussions of people asking, is this benefit-driven enough? How can I make it more interesting, more benefit-driven? It's an ongoing process that this community helps you go through instead of you wondering alone. That That is why it's so powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for coming, Myron.
2: Thank you uh, for having me, Annie. I'm so excited we managed to make it happen. I mean, it took... Uh, the, the listeners, of course, don't know unless you tell them in the intro, but we have been trying to set this up for so long that I'm just so happy we managed to set it up. And I'm so honored to be on your show, Annie.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's about not giving up and then it <laughs>
2: <laughs> Very true.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for coming over. And, um, you know, I, I wish you success with everything you're doing, because I have a feeling that you're doing more and more with the time. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Annie. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, I guess that was it for today. We tried to cover as much as we could, taking into account the time limitation. But just a reminder, uh, you can go to the links that Meron mentioned and get the free resource, a very useful free resource at podcastincubator.com forward slash right to be read. you can also check out the Podcast Incubator membership platform at podcastincubator.com forward slash Annie, Ani. Well, I guess that was it. I hope that you got excited about podcasting because I truly am. And I think that it's a great way, a new and not yet overused way to create an audience and get readership. Take care, keep on writing, and I'll meet you in the next episode.
1: Did you know there's a new place to sell your audiobooks besides ACX and Audible? There is. Buck Books. Authors, I know most of your audiobooks are sold exclusively through ACX, but on any new books you have, a one-day sales pit stop at Buck Books is a no-brainer. When your narrator finishes your audiobook, send us the files and we will feature it to tens of thousands of our active subscribers and growing for one day only. You get some great sales, and the very next day you can upload it exclusively to ACX. This is a great way to help offset the cost of production on a new audiobook and start building a strong relationship with the world's hottest free book promotion service Buck Books Not sure how to go about getting your book made into an audiobook or having trouble deciding if audiobook production is right for you? With an audiobook team of 10 and the lowest production cost around, Buck Books is ready to help you finally add this lucrative format to your author portfolio and sell it too For more information, send an email to john at buckbooks.net That's john, j-o-h-n at buckbooks.net.